Hey everyone, welcome to the Fit CFO Show. I'm Amanda Hankwist, and together with my husband, Sean, we wanted to create this podcast so that our audience could learn from some of the industry's best fitness professionals, and also to give online entrepreneurs a place to learn financial success. We have years of experience in fitness and specialize in finance, and together we hope to bring you the best of both worlds. We will be releasing a new episode every single Tuesday morning, so be sure to subscribe and turn on your notifications because you don't want to miss a thing. I am so excited to bring today's guest to you today, you guys. William Grazion. He is a father of four, a man of faith, a husband to his beautiful wife, Tanya. Um, He's a pro-natural bodybuilder. He also has his degree in exercise science. You guys, he has been at this for a very long time. I am so excited to bring him to you today. He has so much to share. You guys, welcome William to the show. I love what you stand for being the educated dieter. Where, I guess, where did this evolve from? Can you tell me about like how that came to be? Yeah, so sure. So it actually came um, via the mouth of the clients. Um, okay. Some of my clients with a previous business that I had, and we can talk about that a little bit later. Um, but within that business, you know, I used to always try to be an educator. I would always try mm-hmm. to teach my clients. If they had questions, I would send them back audio recordings and I would try to explain, you know, you have these questions in your email update. Let me go ahead and answer them via, via an audio recording. And they're like, wow, I can't believe how much I just learned from that. Like you've helped me become an educated dieter. Right. So even in my previous uh, business that I had, I put I make educated dieters as my tagline. Right. So when it came time to essentially rebrand the company, the educated dieter, it, it just made, made sense. sense. Right. Yeah. It's like, all right, well, they're saying, you know, you've taught me so much. I feel like I'm educated now. I'm an educated dieter. And it just made sense on behalf of the brand that we kind of kept with the education, which essentially stemmed into what we offer for our coaching clients now, which is a more hands-on approach than what's traditionally done, you know, maybe just via email communication, but back and forth, you know. And I absolutely love that because I have worked with coaches in the past, especially early on in my competing journey. And um, you don't know what you don't know, right? You're on Instagram, you're looking through, okay, cool. This person coaches, she's a bikini competitor or whatever. But when you, and, and I'm the type of person where I learn best and I do best when I know the why behind it. I've always been that way. That's why I've always struggled with math. <laughs> it just is that there's no why behind it. And so when I start asking questions and, you know, somebody just sends you an article to read that you're not, you know, I love to hear or work with somebody that can explain the why behind, okay, why are you having me eat brown rice instead of white rice? And, you know, those Mm -hmm. kinds of things. And when I can actually ask the why behind it, I learn from it and you just have so much more success that way. So I love that that's your approach in coaching. Yeah. I mean, a lot of it's predicated on experience too. Mm -hmm. You know, it's like, if somebody asked me a question, what most people don't understand is that, you know, you basically have to go through like a Rolodex of like 12 years of information gather, (laughs) and then you can answer the question. Like in my mind, I'm like, okay, like what's, what, how do, how do I want to respond to this question? And you also have to understand like who you're talking to. Mm -hmm. Um, A big mistake that I made um, as maybe like a physique scientist or an entrepreneur, um, even sometimes I even still make the mistake is, you know, talking over people's heads to the point where like you're using words where they don't really understand. So uh, some uh, tip that I got from somebody that I I consider a mentor of mine, um, he told me it's, Will, you just got to talk to kids that are in fifth and sixth grade. Yeah. I I always, well, 
did that with okay. my insurance agency. It's at a third grade <laughs> level. Talk to people yeah, at a third grade yeah, level. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. So that that would definitely be um, you know something that I would highly recommend is just making sure that you know you're talking to whoever your avatar is. Yeah. Um, and specifically right now, you know, I've I've really taken on the role of basically educating a lot of females mm-hmm. and educating a lot of coaches that coach women. Yeah. So um, you know, trying my best to kind of dissect all the literature that's available and all the information that's available and create, you know, programs that can essentially help coaches learn how to better serve their female clients. And I noticed that you do specialize in female fat loss. Did this niche find you or did you find it? How did you come across wanting to work with <laughs> female fat loss? I mean, we're, we're complicated <laughs> yeah. souls. Yeah. Um, so that, that's a, that's an interesting question and probably even a more interesting response. Uh, so my wife was actually one of my very first female clients. And, you know, obviously I, I happened to live with her. Um, and <laughs> there wasn't a moment in time that I didn't know what was going on. Right. Um, that I didn't, I wasn't there for her cycles. I could see the ebbs and the flows, like, you know, all that stuff. Not to mention that I was raised by a single mom and I had a sister. So, you know, that curiosity was there as well, because you also had like a different understanding. It sounds like too, of, of, and I have three, three daughters. Oh, geez. (laughs) You are meant to be surrounded by women. (laughs) Uh, yeah, always surrounded by women. So therefore that was kind of like the curiosity there is that early on in my coaching career, when I was predominantly competition prep coaching, and basically Mm -hmm. we're just gunning for pro cards and stuff. Um, I started to notice because I was working predominantly with female clients, maybe like 70% of my roster were all uh, women, maybe competing in like bikini or figure or something like that. And a lot of the time, what I would notice is that, you know, the harder you pushed them, the faster these, you know, negative metabolic adaptations started to arise. Um, And so I decided that I needed to basically start to learn how to balance, you know, the applied stress and the, you know, being more proactive with recovery measures. Mm -hmm. And, um, I like to say it kind of found me in the fact that I was just very curious because it was a opportunity back in 2014, 2015, where a lot of my colleagues, which were also very well known in the space, um, you know, they basically just decided, Hey, I don't need to worry about this stuff. Like it's not important to me. Um, if a client lost their cycle during a contest prep, well, they're supposed to lose their cycle. And I was like, okay, but I'm not willing to just say, this is it. Like, this, is that it? Because right. if, if that's it, then, you know, the hormonal fluctuations don't matter then. Right. But yeah. I wanted to approach it a little bit differently. And I wanted to say, well, the hormonal fluctuations do matter because a lot of the time the women that were losing their cycle so far out from the competition or we're dealing with a lot of GI problems and things like that way far out, like 10, 12 weeks out. Those are also the ones that would have massive weight regains after mm-hmm. the competitions were over with. Yeah. And then those were also the female clients that were the ones that basically it's like you only see them once, right? So yeah. they get on stage or they get on stage twice or whatever, or the coach would keep them really, really lean for a prolonged period of time so they could get in more shows so they could win more trophies and so on. Yeah. And what I noticed was that they would look better at the beginning of the season than at the end of the season. And at the end of the season, they would gain back so much body fat that some of them would never compete again. Right. And it was just about how can we get their health back? Um, So I think it was 2015. um, What I started to do is I'm like, all right, well, if the stress on the body is too much or if they're experiencing GI problems, and that was even something that I would ask my mentors and stuff 
back then too. I'm like, is this stuff normal? Like, is this supposed to be happening? Like, how come they're not responding like the males? Da 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 da. And they would just say, yeah, it just happens, right? But they're not not willing to go to the next level. Um, and so this is when female hormones became very important to me. Was back then because what I started to do is I started to say. Well, before most people were even really considering that. Yeah, it was a long, long, long time ago, but I, I always like to ask my clients questions. So something that I learned as a personal trainer was I always would ask clients, how does that feel to you? Mm-hmm. Right? Like Amanda, how did that set feel? How yeah. does it feel to execute the movement like this? Mm-hmm. Right. And then you would give me feedback. Yeah. Right. So as a coach, even six or seven years ago, I started to ask clients, how does this feel? Like, how do you feel? How are you sleeping? How? So it was kind of like the concept of biofeedback before right. biofeedback became biofeedback. Mm-hmm. I'm just asking. And I'm just like, you know, how do you, how, how are you sleeping? How are your energy levels? Right. You know, and then they're like, well, I'm also missing my period for the female clients. And so what I started to do was I, I started to just incorporate multiple day refeeds, back to back ones. Because I know from being a competitor, when I would have one, I'd feel good. When I would have two back to back, I'd feel even better. Right. Right. So I'm like, well, damn, if I can do this with them, let's see how they feel. And usually if I could pull back cardio, if I could kind of pull back training um, and I could give them more food, what I noticed was that they would feel better over the course of a couple of days. So I said, well, if a couple of days is good, let's go ahead and let's bump it to three days. Oh, I still feel great. And the weight's not going back up. Let's, let's go to four days. Yeah. Then let's go to five days. And then before you know it, I basically was having all my physique athletes do a whole week in the middle of their fat loss phase for a contest prep as a halftime. So almost like a diet break then. It was it, it in technicality, it was a diet break. Yeah. Um, and I remember talking to Bill Campbell about this in 2016. Um, and now obviously, like they do a lot of research on diet breaks and stuff like that. But I just found it because I basically what I did was the people that I knew they had had previous contest prep experiences. Basically, I noticed that my athletes were getting leaner doing this type of thing than they were getting doing it the other way that they did it. Yeah. And so I started to develop this basically like, all right, we're going to prep you for eight weeks. We're going to use a one to two week halftime. And then we're going to use another eight weeks to the final push. Yeah. Right. And athletes just started showing up leaner and more conditioned with more energy and stuff like that. So um, a lot of it started there because I was inquisitive. I would ask the questions Mm -hmm. and it it was probably a couple months into it after I'd done it maybe 10 times or so. I'm like, let me create a word doc. Back then I didn't have a Mac. I had like a PC. I was like, let me make a word doc (laughs) and I'm going to send it to each, each person. And I said, I asked them like eight questions. I said, please fill these out. Honestly, let me know what you think. And then after the seven days is over, fill them out again. Uh-huh. And in most cases, Amanda, I was talking to two different humans, right? Like one of them, they're beat up, they're sore, their joints hurt. They, they can't sleep all types of stuff. And then this one, I feel refreshed. My body doesn't hurt anymore. I feel like I can keep going, you know, and in some cases, even they would actually see weight loss during that time. Yeah. Well, and it's honestly can be mirrored to the lifestyle client too, not just the competitor, because I can't tell you how many women I see or have worked with that have just been putting themselves honestly through this grueling um, thing of, you know, exercising a super long time, getting like ridiculous steps over training, all of these things, not eating enough during the week. And then they might go binge or something on the weekends because they just can't adhere to it. So, um, so yeah, I think that even in the general lifestyle 
practice that can be taken for, for those clients too. Yeah, it can absolutely be, I'd call it a game changer for long-term adherence and maintenance, right? So yeah. um, within um, a free ebook that I just made, I talk about this additional phase that I call a maintenance phase. Mm-hmm. Um, and we actually talk about that in there, but yeah, I would definitely say to kind of wrap back around to answer your question um, easily, I would say it, it kind of found me. Yeah. But it found me because I was inquisitive and I was willing to go down a path that really nobody was going down at the time. Yeah. Well, because it, it's not a, it was, it's not an easy path. I mean, female and hormones right. and honestly, females yeah. in general, it's not as yeah. easy as, you know, I hear this all the time with husbands and wives, like, oh, my husband quit drinking pop and lost 20 pounds. And I'm pissed <laughs> because <Yeah. laughs> I yeah. can't lose yeah, weight yeah. to save my life. And you, you hear this almost all the time with couples that are, you know, doing it together. Yeah. So. And then for sure, once I learned that, once I learned more about the differences and how we could kind of almost in a sense, like balance the stress. Mm-hmm. Um, this was when I think the next year was it 2016 or 2017 in that one year, I helped almost 50 women get their periods back. Wow. Cause they had lost their periods from competing. And because yep. I had had so many contest prep clients right. and then people were like, Oh yeah, you know, he's helping women with this. Mm-hmm. It just started to be to where I was like, all right, well, this is what I'm doing now. Yeah. And I was kind of putting health back in an unhealthy space. Right. Um, and so, you know, some women, it would just take a couple of months, you know, basically regulating nutrition, you know, dietary fats, carbohydrates, and, you know, re- reducing cardio and exercise for some other women though, it could take eight or nine months, just depending right. on them. Um, and yeah. now we do more work along the lines of like helping women come off of birth control and regulating sure. their hormones after that. But uh, that's kind of how it all started, honestly. Yeah. So, um, let's see, I definitely want to get into your story, but when did you first realize you wanted to go into, I guess, this career path, you talk about being a personal trainer and now you have this amazing company where, you know, you have coaches that work with you as well. When did you decide to go from like this in-person personal training to now what you're doing? Yeah. So that's a, that's a long time ago because I haven't personal trained, um, since the days in my garage. (laughs) Um, so I started off as a personal trainer in gold's gym in St. Petersburg, Florida. Um, I did a little bit of personal training in Muskogee, Oklahoma for my, uh, agree. We actually had to personal train and do nutrition and training and diets and client transformations for five clients, um, as part of my program. Um, So that's kind of where the love for personal training actually started. But um, from an origin though, like I've always loved to train people. Mm -hmm. Uh, I remember being in my mom's uh, patio with plastic weights and a bar training my friends in the neighborhood. Oh, that's awesome. (laughs) uh, That was back when like, you know, eight, nine, 10, 11, 12 years old. Um, But I guess the passion came um, because I had done a lot of my own um, independent kind of research per se, as I was a personal trainer. Mm -hmm. Um, But more importantly than that, probably it started when I was a janitor. Okay. Okay? So I was a janitor at the gym that I eventually became a personal trainer at. Okay. Okay. But what essentially happened was as I'm walking around with my Ghostbuster vacuum pack on vacuum in the floor, (laughs) you know, I would hear clients asking their, their personal trainers questions. Or I would see the workouts that the personal trainers were having the clients do. And oftentimes I would also hear that, hey, like the client's asking a nutrition question and none of the PTs had a good response. 
So I would go gotcha. home and I'd be like, let me learn about this. Like, let me try to yeah. figure this out. Cause if they don't have the answers for it, maybe I can find the answers for it. Yeah. And usually within one or two days, I would go back up to that person and be like, Hey, I know you, you had a question about nutrition and I, I overheard that and I just wanted to help you. Um, and they said, Oh, okay. Well, do you have a response for me? I was like, yeah. And I, I, I would provide an answer. Um, and then there was usually followed by a sense of gratitude, but that was when I realized that I had some value outside of just vacuuming up the, the gym floor and quote unquote, being the best janitor that there ever was. Cause that's kind of how I always, I love that jobs. though, because if you hadn't been the janitor at that True. gym, it probably would not have led you down that path. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I, I just love the gym. So like I was a bodybuilder out of that gym. People knew yeah. me for being a bodybuilder, but they also knew I was a janitor. And I remember one time I, um, I was just walking around vacuuming the floors like, like normal. And I was like, if all these trainers are in here, personal training, why can't I be the best personal trainer in this gym? Cause I already knew that my knowledge and my skill set was more superior than theirs. Yeah. So then I remember walking into the GM's office and I was like, GM, just give me a shot. And he was like, why? And I basically gave him like a one minute spiel on my passion for helping people. Um, and he was like, when can you start? And I was like, Monday. <laughs> and so that's when I basically dropped the vacuum and I picked up the, you know, clipboard and I started to do personal training. Um, but what essentially happened was something that was very powerful was up until that point for about two years, I had basically studied uh, papers, blogs, research, and stuff like that, that Dr. Joe Klemzuski and uh, Dr. Lorraine Norton put out on the internet. Yeah. Because at the time, back in 2009, 2010, they were kind of the only ones that were big into like yeah. natural bodybuilding that had a voice. And so all their papers, I would go to the public library and I would print them out and I would highlight them with a highlighter and, I, and then I would learn for myself. Um, and then that was basically when you know, I started to do bodybuilding as well. And my, when I won my very first show, that was kind of like the whole that was kind of the whole stepping stone to eventually getting to going online mm. because once I won my very first show, I had people that were contacting me from like the UK asking me for training programs. And I was like, how the heck did you find me? Right. I'm a personal trainer in a box gym in St. Petersburg, Florida. You're in Germany or so somewhere and yeah. asking me for a training program. Um, so I made him a training program and I remember sending it to him. I think it was on like Facebook messenger or something. And that was when I realized that there was a world outside of the gym. Yeah. And um, later on that season, I actually had the opportunity to meet Lane because him and I were competing in the same bodybuilding show down in Cape Coral, Florida. Um, it was the NGA pro universe. So they had a pro uh, pro professional show there. Then they also had a, a pro-am. So basically I was competing for my pro card. He was in the pro division and I walked up to him and I said, look, Lane, I know you have no idea who I am, but I just wanted to come over, introduce myself and say, thank you. Um, and he's like, for what buddy? You know? And I was like, yeah. well, I know you don't know, but for the last two years, I've been studying you and Dr. Joe's information. I just wanted to say thank you because you've changed my life. You've essentially been able to get me into the condition that I'm in now. And up to that point, I had already helped a couple people as well, um, either win shows or turn pro. Um, and um, I actually ended up turning pro at that show. And at that show also, him and I became friends. That's so awesome. That was basically the pivotal moment for me was mm -hmm. being able to meet him and then start to hang out with him as a friend and kind of see that he was somebody that was doing it already because everybody that I had in my life was basically like 
it's a pipe dream. Like you want to work yeah. with people online. It's 2010. How many of these bodybuilder guys oh, do yeah, you think are going to be before. on the was, internet? Was that even before like Instagram? It was yeah. So I went full time like, right about when Instagram started. Yeah, Instagram yeah. certainly wasn't what what it is. No, today, I was just playing around with it. Um, just pretty and photos I, and that kind of thing. Yeah, I I was posting on Facebook. Okay, and that's actually what led me into basically going all in on myself. So I was posting some of my client transformations on Facebook, or my clients were posting them, and this was how my gym found out. Yeah. And my gym's like, look, Will, you're either 100% Gold's gym or you're on your own. Oh, and I was like, gotcha. oh, wow. Okay. I was like, okay. And they're like, if you're going to be doing this under our roof, you know, whether or not you get clients from this gym or not, like we, we have to have a piece of it. And um, mm-hmm. I remember calling up Lane and I was like, and, and in business, like I understand it now, you know, yeah. uh, but I remember calling up Lane and he was like, all right, so they're basically putting you in a corner where you could either do something for yourself or do something only for them. And uh, I called him up and he said, look, Will, he's like, tell the gym to kick rocks. He's like, I know you're good. He's like, I know you'll be successful. Just commit to it and go. And uh, that was the turning point. So it was a number one, it was having a mentor that believed in me. I could do it. Yeah. Number two, it was being put in a position where I was forced out of my comfort zone. Yeah. Um, And you know, number three, again, it was like the environment. It was like the environment of knowing somebody did it before me mm-hmm. and that I could actually do it. And I remember I only had like 300 bucks in my pocket that, that day, the day I walked out, I had 300 bucks and I was like, what am I going to do? Like, I just walked out of the gym. Like I, I don't, you know, I, don't, I left I lost my all job. My connections, everything. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, I remember driving immediately to the play it again, sports, uh, right up the street. And, I spent every dollar I had on some equipment and they end up calling up some people. I'm like, Hey man, do you have anything I could have for free? Like some weights or anything. And I ended up getting a few pieces of equipment, a bar and some plates and a squat rack and stuff. So you kind of made yourself a lean little garage startup. Basically. I moved some stuff into my garage and I contacted a lot of my clients and I started to train people out of my garage, you know, and that was where like the hybrid thing started. So it was nutrition coaching and personal training at the same time. Wow. Gotcha. And so do you do, uh, you still do workout programming or what is your personal training? Yeah. So I still do workout programming, but I don't personal train anybody anymore. All of our work is online. Keep in mind, Mm -hmm. like the origin story I just told you is from like 12 years ago. Right. Right. Um, so yeah, since, (laughs) since then though, um, everything's been online, you know, I, I went full time, um, which is where there was my only job. I went full time and I think it was 2012. I think I went full time. Mm -hmm. Um, and then ever since then, it's just been a constant growth. I love hearing that story because, you know, as we were talking earlier, I've been in the financial professional world for my adult career life. And so by the time I went full time into, um, into this side of things, I mean, the social media world is very similar to what it is now. So I'm sure it's, it's so interesting to see where it was from when you started to where it is now. Yeah. I remember people telling me, dude, you got to get on this thing called Instagram. Like you got to be on there. And I was like, what the heck is Instagram? They're like, you just post pictures and like you post pictures of yourself or you post pictures yeah. of your clients and stuff. And uh, I remember my, my really good friend, um, Hussein Daher, which um, he ended up being my very first pro champion that I ever awesome. coached. Um, amazing bodybuilder. And he was like, yeah, this trainer that comes into the gym, he has like a thousand followers on Instagram. And that was like and- a huge... 
big. It was big. Yeah. He has like a thousand followers and he just tells people he's going to be at this park. And then he runs like these boot camps for like 20 people. And I was like, and he does that from this thing. And then that was also about the same time I started hanging out with Lane and Lane yeah. was like, dude, you got to get on Instagram. You got to make a page. He's like, you're going to make an Instagram page. I'm going to give you a shout out. And I guarantee you, you're going to get people following you. And I was like, okay. <laughs> so I made the page and he gave, he gave me a shout out. It was uh, 2012, I think. And uh, it, it was crazy, but before he got home, so he drove to my house in uh, St. Petersburg, Florida, and he gave me a shout out on Instagram. And before he got home, I had like 400 followers. Yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> I was like, what the hell is this thing? Well, I remember <laughs> Facebook when it was just for college students, because I was yeah. in college when Facebook yeah. came out and <laughs> oh my gosh, aging us a little bit. Mm. So I read that you coached your wife, Tanya, to becoming a natural figure pro. Yeah, that is amazing. I want to hear about that a little bit. How is that <laughs> giggling? Because I can only imagine sure. what it would be like if Sean Hanquist coached me during competition <laughs> prep. Tell me yeah. about that a little bit. Yeah. So it, that actually wasn't like the, the trickiest part because we actually prepped together for numerous shows. Mm -hmm. So I was her coach. I was prepping myself at the same time I was prepping my wife. So with And I love hearing home. this because you guys have four kids and I, yeah, you know, absolutely. not a lot of couples out there because Sean and I have prepped together too. And not a lot of couples mm. understand what it's yeah. like to be in competition prep with kids. Yeah. You can't be like, excuse me, children, mom's going to go do cardio, figure it out yeah. on your own. I mean, you've got to make it work how you can. Yeah, for sure. I, definitely back then, um, we only had one child back then. Uh -huh. so that was many moons. We might have had two after, um, but back then it was... Um, more so just my wife and I, we've always been like the foundation or the origin of our relationship started as friends, mm -hmm. right? So I've always been able to kind of keep an even mind when I'm around her. I've always, she's always understood, like I have her best interest at, at heart and I'm going to yeah. do what I think is best for her in regards to her becoming her best. Yeah. Um, and honestly, it really wasn't that challenging. I know that a lot of people would tell us, oh my gosh, you guys are prepping for a show together. Like you're going to break up and you're going to da, 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 da. Mm -hmm. And honestly, it brought us closer together Yeah. because if anything, I saw how much she loved and supported me and my dreams. And mm -hmm. she realized how much I loved and supported her dreams. And I was willing to do anything that I had to do in order to make sure that she would win, right? Whether it be yep. the financial investment or the time investment or whatever it is, because it meaned a lot to us at the time. Mm -hmm. um, and so honestly, I actually feel like it brought us closer together. But with regards to me coaching my wife, um, because after I won my pro card in 2010 and 2012, I basically retired from natural bodybuilding. I was like, like I don't have anything else to prove. Like you yourself um, did. Yeah. I was like, I don't really have anything else to prove, um, especially to myself because we could go on a tangent about this, but like a lot of my bodybuilding career was predicated on like the amount of rage and aggression that I had towards like my childhood upbringing and stuff. Mm -hmm. um, but the amazing thing with coaching my wife was that there was no bias there. So like what I had to do was I basically had to, when I coached her, she would update me the same as a normal client would, would update yeah. me. You treated so it I, as a client coach relationship when it came yeah. to you coaching her. Yeah. Besides the fact that I was the one that took her progress photos. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, but outside of that, I mean, it was just like, I would coach anybody else for a pro card. You know, mm -hmm. there's a, there's a sense of, you know, we got to be aggressive. We got to do what we need to do, but we also have to be, um, we also have to be intelligent. We have to program in these specific breaks for her and stuff 
like yeah. that. And the fact that I just knew her, I could, you know, verbally hear her and see how she was feeling all the time. Right. So if I knew she was beat up and I knew she had another leg day coming up, I tell her not to train legs, you know, or if I knew that she was looking a little too flat, I would have her do an extra high carb day. Yeah. You know, just as an example, I could basically on a day-to-day basis, I could manipulate and tweak things. Um, and she knew that I had her best best interest in mind. And yeah. um, I thought it was pretty cool that like we never really got in any fights, anything like that. Um, besides, I will say, like when I get super lean, like you start to count the glute striations on your butt and stuff like that as a natural yeah. bodybuilder. Yeah. Um, that was when I became very I was just, I wasn't, I wasn't a nice person. Mm-hmm. Um, and if I could go back and do anything differently, I would have controlled that. Um, but at the time I was a young guy, I didn't really understand a lot of the hormonal fluctuations. Now I understand exactly why all that stuff happens. Sometimes um, just the idea of realization can help with, you know, yeah. moods and why we're acting a certain way. And, and yeah, definitely. Yeah. But, um, it was approaching it with, with, with no bias or like leaving the emotion and the feelings out of it, because I can yeah. tell you, once I had to get her close to a hundred grams of carbs on her low days, I mean, you know, I, there's nothing that I could do to like make that easier. Right. Right. Yeah. Or even well, and ultimately that. I think too, like she wanted the goal, right? Like it right, hundred percent. And I think that's, that's the thing that I think makes me upset when I hear my coach doesn't let me have X, Y, Z. My coach doesn't Mm. allow me to do this. It's like, Mm. at the end of the day, your coach is leading you to what you said that your goal was. And if you want to get there, Mm -hmm. this is what you need to do. And I, and I like that you bring that up because that's one thing I would love to reiterate is don't blame it on your coach. This is your goal. Totally. Yeah, totally. I mean, well, once she told me like, you know, the goal was for her to turn professional and figure Mm -hmm. as a coach, I got gotcha. you. Yeah. You've told me your goal. We've wrote, we've written it down and it's not going away until we check the box. And as a husband, right. she had your support. Oh, a hundred percent. Yeah. Yeah. But it, it was a mutual respect. I think that's very yeah. important too. Oftentimes with a lot of the people, and you'll probably agree with, with me on this as well, is that oftentimes with a lot of people, they have a woman that wants to achieve a specific goal for herself, for her confidence, for, you know, just to hurt for her to think maybe she's going to love herself more or whatever yeah. it is. Right. And then you have an unsupportive husband. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, but in, 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 in many cases though, if you have two individuals that are both health conscious individuals, it works a lot better Absolutely. because you don't have the negative energy coming from a husband that doesn't support, right. you know, you have the, you know, really good positive energy coming from both parties. It just makes life easier. I know there's been times where, you know, and, and there's things from, um, Sean, my husband's perspective that outside people looking in wouldn't understand. Um, like if I need to lose 10 pounds for a competition, he's going to be there to support me. Whereas people on the outside are, are, you want your wife to lose 10 more pounds. She's already skinny, et cetera, et cetera. But it's like, they don't, they don't have to get it. I just Mm -hmm. need his support. Yeah. I would also say, well, one, one key thing is having some empathy too, though, mm-hmm. you know, like you got to be able to hear, hear people out specifically women in general. Like I don't know a lot of the questions I get, is like, how do you coach so many women? It's like, uh, well, <laughs> I've, I've learned to become a good listener yeah. in most cases. Um, and oftentimes on my coaching calls, you know, um, the client does more talking than I do. Like, well, I think as, I think a, as that, a leader, you have to talk less. That makes you a good coach though. If, yeah. if you're willing to listen, if you're the one doing all the talking, then it's yeah. How are I you going to help them? In many cases, leaders talk last. Yeah. 
Absolutely. They have their ears on listening ears on. My daughter always says <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> coming yep. from my five-year-old. So tell me about your um, unique coaching model or your unique belief. Hmm. Yeah. Um, so it's changed because I've changed, right? Mm-hmm. Um, at 24 through 26 years old, I was basically, I mean, I wasn't married yet and we really didn't have any kids. So I was basically like a single bodybuilder with a goal of turning professional in bodybuilding. That was who I was then, right? And as I've grown through life, obviously became a husband. Now we have four kids. Now mm-hmm. I own a company and I don't bodybuild anymore. As I have changed my client demographic, my vision, my purpose, and all that stuff has changed too, yeah. right? Um, and so it's changed from seeing how many pro cards we could earn, how many people we could get shredded, you know, and all that into being more focused on trying to get people in a position where a number one, they can look great, but B number two, they feel great. And number three, they can eat enough to basically not be starving all the time or Mm -hmm. feel like they have to do X amount of cardio every day in order to look a certain way. So basically it's more of a sustainable lifestyle that we're trying to teach people that essentially makes us the educated dieter is being able to get people to that goal without necessarily having to sacrifice so many things in order to make that happen. And I love that because I think what a lot of people don't realize is the ultimate goal is for you to look and feel your best with as little cardio and as much food as possible. And it can take time to get there. Yeah. I love that. Definitely agree with you. Um, especially with like fat loss approaches, mm-hmm. you know, I talk to clients just about every day or people that want to work with us. And one of the primary things that they say is that, you know, when I started my diet, I, it, it was way too aggressive straight out of the gate, yeah. but oftentimes you don't know what you don't know. So like right. when they're going from eating 2000 calories down to eating 1200 like that, And then they go from doing zero cardio to doing a half an hour every day, or even more than that. Sometimes it's an hour a day. Mm -hmm. Um, Those are the things where you really got to have some level of intelligence and you have to have Mm -hmm. a BS radar because then you can (laughs) can kind of raise your flag and be like, okay, I know this isn't right. Like you're wrong. Um, And honestly, the very first sign I had ever seen from this, I had one of my clients a long time ago, um, really good person. Um, She was approached by the the current Mr. Olympia at the time. Uh, She trained out of the Gold's Gym in uh, Ennis, California. Yeah. And um, she was working with me, but he had approached her and said, hey, if you want to take it to the next level, like I can make you a program and da, da, da. And um, she basically was like, okay, let me take you up on my offer. Like you're the best bodybuilder in the world. Like, let's see, you know, and she got her program and within 24 hours, she walked back into the gym and said, thanks, but no, thanks. I've taken a look at this. And I know that it's not specific to me. Yeah. But at the time, like if she wasn't educated, she would have, she wouldn't have done that. Right. Right. So she had to become educated herself in order to say, I know this isn't right. I know this isn't for me. So I'm going to seek other, or I'm going to stay with where I'm at. But the problem nowadays is that a lot of people, they're so distracted by the shiny object syndrome that they get distracted by all the fasting and the 30 day, this, and the 60 day, this, and the, you know, and all this stuff. When in many cases, it's not a black or white deal. It's like the truth is in the middle. We just have to find that level of sustainability. Well, and I think it's important for a lot of people out there to realize is just because somebody looks the part or has done X, Y, Z doesn't necessarily make them a good coach for you. Agree. I agree with you a hundred percent. 
I mean, you know, I mean, it's just like, if you see like, like LeBron James out there, he might be the best player, but he maybe would suck as a coach. I don't know. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you offer competition prep coaching still, or is that kind of Um, navigated a little bit? I still prep about, I still prep about less than a dozen clients. Okay. Um, It's not definitely nowhere near as much as it used to be. It used to be, it used to be a lot. That's just kind um, but, of where it's evolved to because of your yeah, progression it's just of changed, your model. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah. Again, like again, I've changed, and so my client demographic has changed. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't necessarily, I don't market that I prep people to. It's often. probably fun for you still. I can imagine it is it, probably it's almost 100% like fun, extremely fun. Yeah. Um. You know, it's kind of like it's kind of like having an entire husky toolbox full of like all the best yeah. stuff in the world. Well, but if and you never use it, then you kind of you know, it's, it's not that exciting, but if I can open it up and I can use all these tools, you know, and we can talk about all the ins and the outs and the intricacies of prepping somebody for peak week and all that stuff. Yeah. It is exciting. Um, but it's just not something that I, I really market too much anymore. Yeah. Well, and it's just, it's kind of fun when somebody wants to do a competition prep and is healthy enough to do one, because then mm-hmm. it's just like, it's on, like it's, mm-hmm. there's, there's, you don't have to like, worry if they're doing it or not, you know, they are, yeah. you know, a lot of our work now is, is more so fixated on getting people back to that place. Mm-hmm. So getting people back to where if, if they wanted to, they surely could, yeah. you know, but now they understand that if I decide to do that, you know, it's important to work with somebody that understands that the adaptations are going to happen and actually knows mm-hmm. how to fix them yep. versus taking somebody that we just spent a year improving and fixing and, you know, perfecting her hormones and optimizing everything and all that. And then they take her into a prep and it's, you know, it just sabotages them. And then they don't know how to fix them on the back end. Yeah, so in many absolutely. cases, we're working to get people back to a sustainable, healthy lifestyle, you know? Right. Yeah. I love that. You have, so your website said 45 pro cards by now, I would assume it's probably more than that. Yeah. So it's, I, I think, I think we're at 49, uh, with That's about awesome. like eight or nine world titles. So I love that. That is super yeah. cool. It, um, it was definitely fun at the time. You yeah. Know? Um, it, it was, uh, it was like a vanity metric back then of like, I've earned this many pro cards and I've earned yeah. this many pro cards. And like a lot of coaches used to brag about it and stuff or like this many overalls and all that. And again, it was fun. Um, you know, being the last person standing on stage and watching my athletes win. Um, and that was when I realized I loved coaching more than I liked competing it was because yeah, sure. uh, one of the very first person I ever helped turn pro was actually one of my best friends. Um, and when he won, I felt more gratification from him winning than when I won. Yeah. Isn't that an amazing feeling? Yeah. So you mentor, um, several coaches who work with clients, um, for your educated dieter platform. What point did you know that you needed to expand? That's a really good question. So, um, I do some mentoring with, uh, so myself and my assistant coach, coach Kalis Pellegrin, mm-hmm. he basically leads the hormonal side of our business where we okay. are looking at blood work and stuff like that. He's an extremely intelligent individual. Um, he worked under doctors of osteopathic medicine for the last five years. And wow. you know, when I decided to branch out and create that side of our company, he was the very first person that I thought of because I had actually hired him to be my hormone advisor. Okay. So when I was getting bloods done, him and I were talking back and forth and I was learning a lot from, from, from him. Um, and that was when I realized I'm like, man, like you've helped me learn so much. Mm-hmm. There's a whole world of nutrition coaches out there that need this information because of yep. the issues that we're seeing in women. Like we need to do something with this and we need yeah. to teach coaches because we can have more impact if we teach the coaches. Absolutely. Right? 
And um, I remember it was it, it was pretty fascinating. Um, the first time we launched our program, which is a hormone and labs class, um, it's a six week program. So it's not like one of these like two or three hour master classes where people, you know, they're like, hey, I'm putting up a hormone class and it's only it's two hours long or whatever. We decided to make ours six weeks and it's about 12 or more hours in total with another like 10 hours of uh, uh, lab panel Q&A. Right. Wow. So it's, it's very yeah. extensive. Yeah. Um, and what I remember talking to him about it and I said, look, man, we just enrolled this many coaches. And I asked each one of these coaches how many clients they have. <laughs> and I was like, we're impacting like 500 clients wow. from this course. Like we could go a whole year and maybe not impact 500 clients, right. just yeah. coaching them it's on your own. Right? Yep. So then that was when I realized that there was an opportunity here to further coaches education. Um, and also I'm good friends with a lot of individuals that are helping coaches grow and scale their businesses. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, it made sense because I'm like, there's so many nutrition coaches coming into the space now, um, whether it be level ones or level twos or level three coaches, and they're going to need education. They're going to need education curriculums. They're going to need experience because at the end of the day, the client's results are what truly matter. Right. Yeah. Like, are these coaches doing the right job? Because I heard so many horror stories over the last 10 years that coaches weren't doing the right job. Mm -hmm. So I said to myself, like, if it's not me, then who else? Yeah. Right. Like, who else is going to do it? Who else is going to step up? Who else is going to do it? So um, we actually created um, advanced coaching systems, which is an online curriculum that basically covers uh, everything hormone and labs related. Um, and so him and I created that. And then I just released another education curriculum as well called the art of female fat loss. And right now those are our two primary educational curriculums that we offer to any coach that wants to uh, learn more from us. That's awesome. I'll be sure to link that in our, in our show notes for you. Awesome. Thank um, you. I want to kind of flip the switch a little bit and talk about business and, and being an Ooh, entrepreneur. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> What are some things, or maybe one thing in particular that you have had to learn the hard way um, that, you know, your business has now changed because of it? Ooh, um, number one, I, I can't do it on my own. Now, yes. what I mean by that is from a spiritual perspective, I mm. can't do it on my own. Mm -hmm. Right. So normally I have my little cross showing right there. My little cross. Up oh, there I see it. Yes. Um, but I realized I couldn't do it on my own. And what I mean by that is leaning into God, right? Mm -hmm. And finding a peace there. Because there are times in entrepreneurship when it gets so hard, you're just like, how can I keep up with this? How can I keep going? How can I? And oftentimes, you know, it takes a level of humility to be able to understand <laughs> that I can't do it on my own, right? I need. I need structure. I need support. I need a wall. And for me, you know, my belief in God has always been the wall that I can lean up against. So I always know that I'm not falling, but I'm supported by something. So I find it very ironic that you said that because I didn't send this to you, but I yeah. said that I'm a firm believer that wisdom comes from humility. Mm -hmm. I see that you're a man of faith and that's exactly what the Bible teaches us. Mm -hmm. Um, and I'm glad that we have that similar belief. So Amen. I, love it. I think I that's love amazing. It. Very yeah, cool. Yeah. So I would, I would <laughs> definitely say that's number one. Um, put God first, right? Mm -hmm. Like first yeah. in your life. Um, and usually every single day, so I have my devotional on my desk because every day, this is how I like to start. So mm -hmm. it's like the 5 a.m. the morning routine yep. before I can do anything else. This is the thing I open. I do use this. Something. I use the the app 
Mm, yeah. I don't know if you use the app or not, but, or if you, yeah, can, I, I yeah. just don't like to look at my phone before like, 10 yeah, o'clock in the that's morning. a good idea too. <laughs> yeah. uh, but I definitely would say the next thing is going to be, but I love that you have some kind of devotional that you do before your feet hit the ground or whatever you want to say. It's got to be a part of your life. You know, mm-hmm. I tried to ignore it for a while um, and stuff just didn't seem to go as well. <laughs> yeah. And when you can what, start Did you off, like hit a brick wall or what was like, what was that turning point for you oh, where you were like, um, you know what, I've got to lean into my faith more to have this successful business, man, that could, that could turn into a very a whole long, other podcast. <laughs> yeah. Um, but basically I knew through my upbringing, um, through a lot of hard times that I, that I went through, um, that I needed. I needed a belief in something other than me. Right. Yeah. Like I can't be the biggest thing in my life no. because, you know, if, if if that's the case, life would probably be a lot harder for me, you know, um, just based off of some things that happened as a child and then as a teen and then into my early um, adulthood. Um, but I've, I've always had that faith ever since I was a kid. And I think it's very important to put God first in your life. And like I said, again, I've tried to get away from, like, I've tried to not be so much a part of interested in it. But yeah. what I notice is that the further I get, like the more stressed, anxious and cure and like chaotic life. Well, is. and the more refinement lessons you get, you know, too. True. Yeah. Absolutely. So um, number two, I would say um, having systems in your business is everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. It's, just, it's just organization, right? Like if you're a solopreneur and you're doing everything all on your own um, and maybe it doesn't matter as much to you, but I can tell you maxing myself out a long time ago, I think my, my peak client load was like around 120 clients working with them all by myself in a wow. one-on-one c- capacity, um, answering emails for 16, 17, 18 hours a day. Uh, it was not a life that I could sustain. Right. And I realized that, hey, if I had better systems in place, that it would be easier for me to bring in an assistant coach or somebody mm-hmm. to actually help me out. And um, the third thing in that was having some level of belief in myself, right? Because it's different going from being a solopreneur to being, you know, having a company where you have multiple people that you're responsible for. Like you have to be able to believe in yourself to a different level. Mm -hmm. And this is where I feel like so much of the personal development stuff really starts to come into play. Um, You have to have a lot of confidence in like your message and your vision and things like that. And then you also have to basically be the person that others essentially look at as kind of this like mirror of who they want to become. Right. So you're basically like leading by example, right? Mm -hmm. Um, I would say that would be the third thing. Um, things I learned the hard way. Um, initially not wanting to take massive ownership of everything in my company, I think it was probably the other thing. So it's like, you know, if we didn't have the systems in place, it's like, oh, it's not my fault. Like somebody else sh- should sure. be doing that. Somebody yeah. else, but I didn't have anybody else. So then it's always on me. So I would say th- that definitely taking massive ownership and understanding that every single thing within your company is on you. And yeah. no one can save you unless you actually teach them how to do the job that you need to have done. Yeah. Right. Um, and the hard way, uh, killing my ego. <laughs> so I became, uh, I definitely became very into the pro card earnings and the pro titles and and all that kind of stuff. And I was like, I'm one of the best, da, 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 da. There and comes that word of humility again. <laughs> yeah. Hundred percent. So when I say I, I 
killed my old company. I basically killed my ego. And that was really the thing that allowed us to take off into the next space. Because when Mm -hmm. I rebranded, that was when I, my immediate thing was, I got to get people in that I trust that can do the job equally, you know, as well as me. And for me, I started to really put myself in the word a lot more when I Mm rebranded and I was asking God every day, I could bring these people into my life. And one of the most powerful things I ever read, my wife bought me the book, uh, the power of favor, um, by, um, Joel Osteen. And I remember getting like 12 pages into it. And I said, I don't need to read anything else. Right. Like I didn't need to read a, a single word outside of this book other than the first 12 pages. And um, that was when a lot of this thing started to unfold with like me bringing in my best friend, us creating uh, the online curriculums and stuff like that. It was because of this. So I'm very grateful to have read that. Very grateful for my wife to have purchased it for me. Um, But those were the things that I learned the hard way, you know? Um, Yeah. Number one, can't do it on my own. Number two, that's like having systems are, are the game. Number three, having belief in yourself. Number four, taking massive ownership over everything. Yeah. And number five, killing the ego. Killing the ego. I like that. I feel like that could almost be like a post on its own. (laughs) I'm sure. I'm sure it will be eventually. I love it. That's awesome. So what are some of your favorite resources as an entrepreneur that you could, I guess, help other entrepreneurs out there? Yeah. Um, so I would say I didn't really start to learn a lot about entrepreneurship until I got my office space that I have now. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was because, again, it was my first time in my life where I'd really had peace. So like I could come into the office, I could sit down and I could read a book. So me and my Amazon cart became really good friends because I would just buy books and just new books are coming to the office. And I'm just sitting down for hours just reading books. Um, so I would definitely say, number one, some good, really good book resources um, would be uh, The Power of Favor, Joel Osteen, that I just showed you guys mm-hmm. there, um, because it basically aligns you with your purpose in life and that God is going to bless you. God is going to have favor over your life. Yeah. Um, and you have to be able to talk those things into existence as well. Mm-hmm. You know, a lot, I know a lot of people talk about like having positive affirmations or being able to speak things into existence. And I think that being able to do that ingrains in your mind that it's possible and that it's actually going to happen. So that would be the first book. Uh, The second book would be The Go-Giver. I've always been a huge fan of providing back to um, other people. So again, it's like, if you look at my social media, like I answer people's questions, I I basically put up free PowerPoint presentations because I want to give to people. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, if you know, if you're always asking but you're never giving, it's an unbalanced relationship. So I've always liked to answer people's questions, which is how Hey Coach Radio started our podcast and stuff like that. Um, so I would say read the book Go Giver and understand that the more you can provide and help people reach their goals and dreams, the more likely you are to reach your own. Dichotomy of Leadership by Jocko Willink. Oh, yeah. That was a good book as well. Um, different turn on leadership, though, obviously, because he was uh, you know, in the 
in the service and things like that. But uh, definitely a great book. Um, also, in regards to leadership, I've learned a lot from uh, Alabama head coach Nick Saban. Yeah. Um, so I played football for 12 years, and obviously, I've always listened to my head coaches, mm-hmm. and I learned a lot of wisdom from people like that. Love mm-hmm. to read like books of Navy SEALs and mm-hmm. um, ultra marathoners, even because mm-hmm. they just their headspace and their motivation is is right. um, it's energetic. It's like it, it just exudes out of them. And I think you can take a little bit for yourself. Absolutely. And then, uh, some other, I guess, free resources, um, Evan Carmichael's YouTube videos are amazing. Um, he's done YouTube videos on everybody, like every famous celebrity. And he does Mm -hmm. like a top 10 rules for success for everybody. And so I would, I would just listen to those on repeat over and over in my mind um, and so I learned a lot from those as well. Um, and then the born to impact podcast by Joel Marion and Dan long for entrepreneurs. I think it's probably one of the best, if not the best podcast in the world for entrepreneur okay. types of folks. Um, and then, um, you have to fail at stuff in order to learn. I yeah. think that's very important too, but a lot of people don't want to fail or if they do fail, they think they're a failure because they're seeing so many people that look like they're winning on social media. Yeah. Right. But the people on social media that you're following, they're not most, most of the time they're not sharing with you the downfalls, right? Like they're not sharing with you all the hard stuff that goes through our minds. So I would definitely say failing because let's just say you're in my failing, business, you're not trying. Yeah. I mean, and you have to fail forward. Like if you fail, you don't go backwards. You learn from it and you keep going. Right. So um, in my business, if I wouldn't have failed, I wouldn't have the assistant coaches that I have now. Mm-hmm. Right. In my business, if I wouldn't have failed, I wouldn't have the systems in place that we have now. In my business, if I wouldn't have failed, I wouldn't have the education curriculums that I have now. Yeah. Right. In my business, if I wouldn't have failed clients, I wouldn't have the the systems and the structure of actually talking to clients that we have now, right? So all these things that we have in place now are essentially because I failed at some point in time. That's amazing. I love that. Well, I, I mean, our podcast is like knowledge bombs all over the place and I appreciate it. I appreciate you being on. You have a wealth of knowledge. I'm going to make sure that I link your information in our show notes so that people can start following you because you have so much to give. You have a lot of years of experience and, um, I definitely appreciate you being on today. So thank you so much for your time. Of course. Thank you very much. I appreciate your time and God bless you and all of your listeners. If you like this episode, please be sure to tune in every single Tuesday morning. Don't forget to subscribe and turn on notifications so that you don't miss a beat. We'd love it if you'd share this podcast, your Instagram story, your Facebook page, or any of your other social media platforms so that we can help others out there become the best versions of themselves. We so appreciate you listening in. And until next time, keep your goals high, but keep each step attainable.